0: The girl did the ultrasound told us, you know, do you want to know what it is? And we're like, "Yeah, it's a girl." We we're so excited. And so we're kind of, you know, living in that moment. And then when we walk out and we're checking out, I looked back down the hallway and I saw the ultrasound tech kind of whispering to the nurse and she looked like she was kind of concerned. And I leaned over to him and I said, I think something's wrong. And he said, no, no, no. If anything's wrong, the doctor will call us. They'll tell us something's wrong. So we left and um, about a week later when the doctor got back in, she called and she said, hey, we saw something on the ultrasound and we want to bring you back in and, and talk about it.
1: Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We want to share today with some friends, BG and Whitney Clay. we just become friends recently, I guess, in the last, how long, maybe a year, maybe so? Yeah, yeah, about that. About that time? Through our church at High Point Church, where Whitney, by the way, is on staff. What's your position there?
0: Yeah, I'm the director of Connect and Equip, so I have the privilege of helping people get involved in authentic community and discipleship, so helping people get connected.
1: That's a great place to be, and we appreciate you and what you do so much. BJ, I know not specifically what you do. A lot of times you're out of town because mm-hmm. we've been trying yeah. to schedule this show, <laughs> and we're working around your schedule. So what do you do professionally?
2: Yeah, uh, commercial finance industry. Um, we do uh, due diligence service on on behalf of banks and lending institutions. Wow!
1: So. And how long have you been doing that? Um, almost eight years. Okay. Okay. So. When did you two meet? Where did you meet?
0: So we met in high school, actually, in really? our youth group at our previous church. And so, yeah, we were high school sweethearts, started dating and
2: got married super young,
0: yep, right out of college. so yeah.
1: <laughs> so what was the attraction b j originally when you saw Whitney in the youth group? Was she singing a song? was she, what was she doing?
2: <laughs> um We were really just kind of kind of like same friend group, um and kind of started hanging out and uh, her, her best friend started dating date and my best friend. And so they dragged us along on double dates
1: and that was basically where it got started. <laughs> and that was it. So. so it was immediate attraction for both of you, Whitney, was it for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I remember thinking he was cute. And so then when we started hanging out with our friends and then one day we kind of looked at each other and we were like, I like you, I like you too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it just kind of grew from there. That kind of
2: thing. <laughs> did you go to the
1: same college?
2: We did. We went to, uh, Crichton College. Crichton College. Uh, rest in peace.
1: Yeah, and uh, Exactly, yep. you know, I was at the former Mid South Bible College. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and Doctor Crichton, I had seven fifteen in the morning for wow. uh, Christian Life Doctrine One and Two, Basic Theology. That was I think won- I
2: avoided all the seven fifteen. Classes. A wonderful <laughs> and, experience. Yeah. Well, that one you couldn't avoid.
1: So, <laughs> it was a wonderful experience back then. But I didn't realize that you guys had gone to uh, Mid South. Actually, Crichton, was that when the school was located at uh, Central Church?
2: No, it was actually when it was on Highland, that's Okay, when we, when we were there.
1: Because uh, I was, yeah. you know, my wife, Pam, she was in the girls' dorm, and I was living in the guys' dorm. It was basically a metal building there at Union and Hollywood on the corner there. Oh, wow. The Memphis City Schools use that right now, but that's where, when the school was there, and I don't think it was the original location. I think it started as the Mid-South Bible Institute, became Mid-South Bible College, and then the name Crichton College, and I think even mm-hmm. after that, the name changed a couple of times. Yeah, I think it
2: was Victory. victory.
1: Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, some— some great memories there for both of you guys. I'm sure you probably Mm -hmm. had some great memories. My wife and I had a lot of (laughs) memories. They used to actually call it Mid-South Bridal College, you know, so (laughs) folks would come and try to find... uh, a relationship there, but uh, we'd actually met prior to uh, her attending. But anyway, did you know that you wanted to go into finance? Is that what you studied for?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was a business major there. Okay. So.
1: But your home has always been centered around Christ mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. desiring community with others and bring them into a relationship with Christ, share that message. And yeah. Whitney, what about you? Were you working somewhere prior to getting a position in the ministry?
0: Yeah. So I actually had a couple of you know odd jobs and then I actually worked at Crichton for the Institute of Effectiveness and Research, so I was an administrative assistant there and yeah. got to help out and see all the behind the scenes stuff, and then got a privilege to come on as an intern at our previous church in our student ministry, and so okay. that's where my ministry kind of started and began. And yeah, but wow. I studied Bible; I knew that was the only thing I wanted to study. So, wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: and some some of like our, our favorite memories from like our early years in marriage were uh, serving along uh, in, in student ministry together and going on. You know, the retreats and the trips and and all the stuff and lock ins and all those things we, you know, get to serve together.
1: That is something that a lot of couples, I think, miss out on when they don't serve together. Pam and I, when we had been married for about a year, we waited about a year and we decided we need to get involved and she felt led to teach in the youth ministry. Uh And that's what we did together for over 20 years. Matter of fact, Drew McCullough, who is our youth pastor Mm -hmm. at High Point Church, he was one of my students. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Not so attentive at that time because uh, I think he was in the younger grade, but we took mission trips together. So it really enhanced our relationship, too. Mm -hmm. You guys had been married, I think, about four years when uh, you got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Child number one. Yes. So you guys must have been pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. We were, when did you get the news and how did she tell you, where were you? Was it a romantic dinner or, um, took the pregnancy test and it's blue or it's whatever. I think it was just,
2: I think it was just that we, we, (laughs) we, uh, you know, we'd been married for about four years and we were dating for five Mm -hmm. years before that dating and engaged for five years before we got married. Um, and so, you know, just kind of felt it was time. And, um, so we started trying and, you know, a couple months and it wasn't very long. Uh, pregnancy test was positive and, uh, and yeah, I think it was just one
1: morning uh, getting
2: yep. a little stick.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> now, for the most part, Whitney, your pregnancy from the time that you found out you're pregnant went fairly well. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Um, at the beginning, they were kind of worried that I might uh, miscarry. So they had me on um, some medicine to prevent that. And then I was just really sick. But that was with all with the other two as well. Like I was a just, lot of
1: morning sickness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not a very good real, pregnant.
1: Real person. gross stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that's something. I remember those those days too, you know. Thankfully, the yeah. men don't have to yeah. always be there to support. But, uh, okay, this was uh, child number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you guys were excited to fix up the nursery. Oh, yeah. Paint the walls. Tell me about that. You painted the walls. Did you go get special furniture? What did you do?
0: Oh, yeah. We went and bought everything. Our My parents, his parents helped us get a crib and uh, all the bedding, her room was done in elephants, and so um, it was like little pink and green elephants and little animals. And yeah. she had a, we I think I even in my pregnancy brain painted her closet pink, like she had a hot pink closet, and so very girly. I, I painted the closet <laughs>
1: pink. <laughs> 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 Let's get straight. You painted the closet. Yeah, but it was kind of toward the end of the pregnancy. You got some news, or you felt like something wasn't going right. There was something that happened. You were having a monitor, and you felt like there was a question there?
0: Yeah, we went um, to find out the gender, and so it was that appointment. And yeah, About
1: um, 22
2: weeks in, yeah, something like that.
0: and our doctor was out of town, and the girl did the ultrasound, told us, you know, do you want to know what it is? And we're like, yeah, it's a girl. We we're so excited. And so we're kind of, you know, living in that moment. And then when we walk out and we're checking out, I looked back down the hallway, and I saw the ultrasound tech kind of whispering to the nurse, and she looked like, She was kind of concerned and I leaned over to him and I said, I think something's wrong. And he said, no, 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 if anything's wrong, the doctor will call us. They'll tell us something's wrong. Um, And so we left and um, about a week later when the doctor got back in, she called and she said, hey, we saw something on the ultrasound and we want to bring you back in and and talk about it. So um, when we came back in, that's when they told us they thought it was a cyst on her ovary um, and they were going to refer us to a specialist so that we could kind of figure out how to go from there.
1: Where did you go from there, BJ? After you consulted with this doctor?
2: Yeah, um, so we, we we ended up going to a specialist, and um, this a specialist specialized in in, in difficult, high risk pregnancies. Um, and so we started started meeting. Um, you know, we were just about every two weeks. Uh, you know, going going to get ultrasounds and, and check up. But basically, um, the uh, we get to the doctor the first time, and they uh, they take they, they do like the higher definition. Uh, ultrasound like or whatever 30, it is 40, yeah. yeah um and uh, yeah. and it gave them a lot more information about what she, what 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 was going on um, and the doctor basically said that you know looking at it that she had a lot of different things that were going on i'm trying to remember exactly uh, but but basically what he thought what it was was that she was de- had down syndrome um and he recommended doing an amniocentesis to to kind of figure it out so they can count the chromosomes and figure out exactly if that's the case and and decide whether or not we wanted to abort the baby was was his words and it wasn't an
1: option for you guys. No, no, uh-huh. no, no. So with that news, thinking about that, you were trying to wrap your your heart, your head, and everything around this. How you were going to come together? What did you do at that time? Sometimes when couples, you know, are going through a difficult thing together, it's hard because each of them are hurting. You know, yeah. when they get mm-hmm. news and trying to help each other emotionally. Can be difficult. Did you guys find that a challenge?
2: For sure. Uh, you know, we uh, it, it was basically just presented like here is this information. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to do the now And it wasn't one thing where like it's you go home and you you know you talk to friends or you talk to your parents or anything like that. It was basically what do you want to do like yeah. right now? Yeah. And so we basically like, can we have like ten minutes to talk and figure out what we want to do. And so the doctor and nurses left the room and, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, it's something that we've always said between the two of us is kind of, that's the moment we grew up. Like we had been together for at that point in time, 10 years, uh, dating and married and, uh, and, but that was the first time we were making a decision, um, that didn't just affect us in our relationship, but it affected our child. Um, and so, uh, and so we got together and prayed and, and felt like God wanted us to do the the amnio just, 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 you know, we, we knew that abortion wasn't going to ever right. be an option but we wanted to know what, what was going on and, and, uh, and how to best prepare for her so that she could be best set up.
1: And I think the news after that procedure was done came out pretty positive.
0: Yeah. So he, um, we, at the time we were going to central church and very involved there. I was on staff there and they called the elders together and prayed. We had a huge support team around us that loved us so well. And, um, they did like a, it's kind of a preliminary test that you get the results in two weeks. And so those were a really long two weeks. And we came back and the doctor said, I can't explain this, but she's not, she doesn't have Down syndrome. And he was taken aback. He's like, everything else we see here should point to this, but for some reason. The measurements
2: and everything else.
0: Yeah. So
1: that had to be a big relief.
0: Oh yeah. It was a, you know, just a, it felt like a win for her, like yeah. for our pregnancy and all the difficulties we were having and just that the Lord had met us right there and. Was continuing to prove himself faithful, even in the middle of a devastating, you know, just Mm -hmm. scenario that you never imagined for your child, you know.
1: But there was something else that the doctor said there was a procedure would probably have to take place. They were concerned about. So Mm -hmm. he
0: told us that he he couldn't explain anything else, but she did have a twist in her bowel loop. And that was the devastating part. Um, And so that meant that right after she was born, she'd have to have surgery, Um, like immediately that was the plan. So, we went from there to meet with um, a doctor at Labonner that would do the surgery. And he was great, explained it to us exactly what would happen. Um, He said it's one of the common newborn procedures that we do, high success rate. She'll be in the hospital six weeks, and then you'll take her home.
1: Basically, a 45 minute procedure is what Mm -hmm. I've heard you say. Yeah. And that's what you were expecting.
0: Yeah.
2: Now, he did clarify that this is what it looks like and everything, but that they really don't know exactly what. Until they actually get in exactly. and start 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 performing the procedure.
1: So. Okay, yeah. so you had a planned C section, mm-hmm. and that was on November twenty seventh. Yeah, Callie Marie Clay was born nine pounds five ounces, twenty three inches long. Yep, she's a big baby.
0: Beautiful <laughs> head of hair, yeah. looked just like her daddy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <She laughs> yeah. all my kids look just like him.
1: That's awesome. I just look like a baby. No. <laughs> I mean, Your kids are beautiful, you, <laughs> Thank and we can you. talk about the other ones before we leave the show today. So. Callie's born. About what mm-hmm. time was that?
0: Eight ten.
1: Yeah. yeah it was,
0: or, it was early. Just
2: just after eight A. M.
0: Yeah.
1: My wife had three C sections and I watched all three mm-hmm. of those, so I know what you have to go through during that. Yeah. I mean I watched and I the recovery and everything. But there was a special nurse I believe that wheeled you down before she was taken off to La Bonner yeah. with BJ.
0: So, we, they immediately, when they pulled her out, they put her in the, I didn't even get to hold her. They put her in a incubator and I just looked at him and I said, go with her. And so he just leaves to go with her and they take me up to recovery where you're by yourself and recovering. And this nurse, I was explaining to her, the scenario and the, what was happening. And she said, you have to see that baby before you leave. And she said, this isn't allowed, but we're going to do it. And she literally like unfolded the bed, rolled me down to the NICU, put me right beside Callie where I could see her and touch her face and got to pray for her. And, um, I thank God every day for that memory.
1: Yeah. So you went to the hospital.
2: Yeah. With so Callie. They uh, And it actually took a little while for them to get her ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly why, but it was, it was, it was almost I don't know, maybe two or three hours before. Um, of course, she was ready to go, and, and she was in the ambulance. So they actually did, uh, it, you know, they, they transferred her to Le Bonheur, um by ambulance, and uh, and I rode there along, rode there with her in the ambulance, and uh, so we get there and they get her set up in the uh, the uh, intensive care. Um, was it neonatal yeah. intensive care? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so they get her set up there and everything, and uh, and, the, and the surgeon that we had met with prior. Um, to, to, to her being born, uh, came and met with us again and, you know, kind of explained everything that they were going to be doing. And about two or three that afternoon, um, they, they rolled her into surgery. Um, and, and he said, you know, it, it probably an hour to two hours and, and that she'd be back. Um, and so and so, you know, they take her away. Um, a couple hours go by, a couple more hours go by, um, and she ended up being down there in surgery for about four, four and a half hours, five hours, something like that. Uh, before they finally brought her back up. Um, and, uh, and so when they brought her back up, the surgeon came in with us again and said that basically, um, what, what they found when they, when they started getting into the surgery was that it wasn't just a twist in her bowel loop, that there was a lot of other abnormalities, um, in her, in her intestines. And, uh, and, and like she was missing, uh, her spleen or something like that, yeah, like, her- one of her kidneys was smaller than it should have been. It was just a lot of
0: – Her liver was – her duodenum was wrapped around her liver. Her gallbladder yeah. was on the other side. Mm-hmm. It was – yeah. It was just, just
2: a lot of right. small abnormalities that together are, are big issues. So basically what they ended up doing was a, a, a gastric bypass on a baby. Yeah. Um, and then, so they basically bypassed the, the portions of it the, because there was uh, um, some air getting out of one of her intestines mm-hmm. as well. There yeah. was like – small holes in there.
1: And so at this time you're still separated. You're, you are in yeah. one hospital mm-hmm. and you're at the children's Yeah, a, She was at
2: Baptist women's and I was at, I was at Le yeah. Um. And so, uh, and so while they were doing the surgery, um, she actually crashed on the table. Um, and one of the surgeons there performed CPR on her for 10 minutes to resuscitate her, which, um, which one of the things that uh, when we met later with the doctors uh, was that normally with a, with an infant, with a, a newborn like that, uh, usually after a few minutes, of if they're unable to resuscitate the child, that that's pretty much you know the end. Um, and so that for him to actually perform CPR for ten minutes to bring her back was mm-hmm. was you know significant. Yeah. Um,
0: we had incredible, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a great team. Yeah, that,
2: our, we yeah. can you know talk highly enough about our experience at Le
1: Bonner. From that time, she went into recovery for a period of time. Yeah, she came back to uh, so so
2: after you know the, the four and a half five hours, um, she came back to to the neonatal ICU um, and. And they, they had her up to a lot of machines, but basically what, what they were monitoring was was her oxygen. And so uh, w- her body wasn't getting enough oxygen f- in, into her bloodstream. Um, and so they you know they were giving her some medicine and some treatments to try to boost basically her lung production. They kind of had monitors and they would – if you've ever used like a pulse ox machine that kind of get like a normal number is like 97, 98. Um, they would like watch it and it would go up to like 60 and then it like drop down to like 42 and then it would like go back up to – seventy eight and then it would drop back down so it was just really right. fluctuating um, and then as, as the night you know kind of moved on um, it just started getting lower and lower and lower and uh, and so they took us out of the room uh, I was there with my parents and so they brought me and my parents into uh, the, the the head surgeon there or head, head of the neonatal unit met with us there and this basically just said that there was anything else that they could do at this moment that you know we just needed to go be with her um, and so Obviously, distraught, the three of us went went into the room, and um, they unhooked her from everything, and uh, we were able to hold her there for her last her last moments. And about a little after 11 o'clock that night, she passed
1: away in my arms. My. DJ, e. at that moment, you had to go tell your wife. This time, you didn't know any of this was happening. No. You know that the procedure was taking longer because you didn't have any news like you were expecting. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'd
0: been texting me kind of throughout the day, and then somewhere, they just stopped coming, and he wouldn't respond, and no one's texting me, and- I told my mom, I was like, something's wrong. And she's like, no, just go to sleep. You need to rest. He's dealing, you know, he's got a lot to deal with. He will text yeah. you or call you as soon as he can. So.
2: Yeah. And uh, and so basically we left her there and my my parents drove drove me to uh, to Baptist Women's to to tell Whitney what, what had happened. That's not something you just want to text. Um, but uh, me and my parents, like, you know, I'm really close to my parents and my dad's one of my best friends. And it's never quiet when we're, when we're together. And that was the quietest car ride <laughs> that wow. we've ever had. Um, yeah. just, you know, kind of in the back seat, just trying to figure out like what, what had just happened and how am I going to communicate this to my wife? And so, you know, we get, we got there about midnight and I went in the room and told her what had happened.
0: I just remember the door like flinging open and he came in and he just said she didn't make it. And I was like, what do you mean she didn't make it? And we just both fell into each other's arms and cried. And um but the thing I also remember is all the people that came in right after. Just people that loved us so well and didn't leave us alone even though in those first few hours, you know.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was incredible emotions during this time. I, I can't even imagine what you were going through. The loss of your little precious Callie, firstborn child, you'd look forward to seeing grow up and all the things that associated with that. But uh, those unexplainable, unexpected times that you were you were forced into at that moment, anger, doubt, fear, I mean, that, that was some accompanied emotions that you both had. Was mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Did you feel like God had forsaken you to some degree? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think we, you know, look back at those moments and realize the overwhelming that's, you can't prepare for it, no. you know, and just the emotions that you feel. And, um, at the times afterwards, it felt so overwhelming. Like we talk a lot about 2010 was like the year of just grief and fog. And it was the year after, you know, she, all the first, all the things that should have happened. First birthday, first, you know, peas, yes. like yes. all this kind of thing. Yes. Um, and so, but looking back to now we can definitely pinpoint the hand of God in it as well, and the moments that he showed up, whether through people or through circumstance, and he was there.
1: Whitney, when you were a little girl, your dad used to sing hymns in your house, yeah. and there was one song that he used to sing it stuck with you. Yeah. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." That song kind of came back to you during those moments.
0: Yeah. I had a friend. Uh, it was the day after so BJ had come in that night of the 27th. So this was the 28th. He's a friend of BJ and I both. And he texted us and he said, this is really random. But the Lord told me he wants to give you a song in the middle of this. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know why I'm texting you this, but I love you guys and I'm praying for you. And I remember looking at my phone and being like, what in the world? Like, why would you? <laughs> this was random text message. Like, do you know how mad and frustrated and upset I am right now? And when I threw the phone down, like on the bed beside me, I immediately hummed that tune to that hymn. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, what are you trying to say right now? You know? And so just that, that him, I think was something that we kind of latched onto and held onto. There's a
1: time of grieving. Look at Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. Mm -hmm. And you guys were in deep mourning.
2: I feel like with grief, sometimes it's, it's not necessarily like a breakthrough, but there's definitely like days where you're like, okay, I'm doing okay. And then there's days that you're not okay. Yeah. Um, And it's a process. And sometimes you go through that, you know, the, 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 five stages of grief, you can go through them all in a day and be right back at the start <laughs>
1: yeah and this has been how many years ago now
2: uh this was she she would be ten in November of this year okay yeah. so this was two thousand
1: I mean this is something you never forget and I don't mm-hmm. mean to indicate that at all I't no, oh, yeah. no, yeah, I, yeah. I mean by that but in some degree where you can kind of move in life to the point where you're able to take your pain and relate to others going through the circumstances like you went through yeah. you know are you able to do that
0: yeah and I think that was it's only been a Few years really where we've started to um, talk about. I mean, I think we always talked about her and people knew what we had been through, but I think recently um, being able to be a little bit more vulnerable with it, you know, about the emotions and the feelings has allowed. other people to share with us and people that you wouldn't even know have lost a children you know a child through right. miscarriage or what however those circumstances arise and so um, it's been <laughs> you- we
2: also were able to meet with other people who had gone through yes. similar right. circumstances and that you know had a few years you know separated from 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 the child and seeing them be able to talk about their the, their, you know the child they lost without you know just busting right. into tears right. like to, to us that was like a huge thing okay If they can get to this point where they can talk about their child that they lost without, you know, just becoming inconsolable. Yes. Then I can get there, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you find that some people feel like they don't know what to say and maybe even 10 years have gone by, they feel that don't talk about it is the best thing. But does it help sometime when somebody remembers or does something for you now to think about Callie?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have friends that will text us and, you know, if they see an elephant somewhere or like a you know drawing of an elephant or whatever. And the day of her funeral, the sky was pink. And so um, we call it a Callie sky. So anytime there's a Cali sky, we have friends that'll text us and pictures of it. And those are just little like God wink moments that let us know that our friends and family have not forgotten her. And I think that's important. If you know anyone who's lost anyone, it doesn't have to be a child. It could be a spouse or anyone. They still want to talk about them and say their name and remember them. And so, yeah, it's hugely important.
1: God has given you the joy. Having two children right now, a little boy and a little girl, I believe your son, he's the older of the two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the blessing of these two.
2: So basically, you know, after we lost Callie, it was pretty much immediate that we were like, okay, let's, let's try to get pregnant again. And, uh, and so everybody was like, oh yeah, right after you have a, a kid is like your most fertile time. Like, you know, you guys are probably get pregnant real quick. So we started trying right away and, you know, a month went by and nothing and another month and another month and another month. It was almost a year, uh, exactly when we finally got pregnant and, and, uh, you know, it was right around Christmas uh, of 2010 when we found out that we were pregnant with Caleb. So, you know, that was a pr- pretty exciting time. Uh, you know, just, and honestly, looking back on it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't get pregnant right away. Cause if we needed that year to grieve, mm-hmm. um, and not wow. just to try to replace her, yes. you know, cause I think we're better off for that, that space.
1: I think you make a good point there too, BJ. We possibly have somebody listening. Now the pain, the anger they're still dealing with that. Maybe it happened twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you just want to close yourself up. You can't isolate yourself. Did you find that was important not to yeah. isolate
2: yourself? Yeah, that was one of the things that I learned more than anything going through it was just you know I think as as a guy, as someone who's naturally in, introverted, uh, that I have a tendency when something's you know when I'm not happy about something or when something's want to go through a tough time uh, to kind of be more introspective and to hold in the emotions of yeah. that that I'm feeling. And you know when you go through something like that, like you can't hold it in. <laughs> you know, yeah. if if you did, yeah. you would you'd kill yourself. Um, and uh, and that's one of the things that I learned is that like I, I need to be open with with how I'm feeling, with what I'm going through. Um, not only with with my wife, but we, I mean, we met with counselors, we met yeah. with you know friends, um, and, and and things like that, just to be able to you know you can't hold that stuff in. You have to you have to be able to let it out, and you have to have some sort of outlet. Yeah. Um, you know.
1: Well, I'm so thankful that you're willing to come and and, and share your hearts and your story with us, our time is enemy on this program because it's gone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Let me ask you, if, if someone listening maybe can identify with something we've been sharing today, would like to maybe reach out, could they contact you through the church? What would you recommend? Is there an email? Or what would you recommend?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they could just send me an email. My email address is Clay at com, And we're always open to talk to people and share our story. And like you said, that was huge for us, like being able to open up in a safe place, like with friends or with a counselor. So whoever's listening, if they're sitting in that, like even if it's been 20 years, it's yeah. not too late to yeah. begin to open up and allow the Lord to meet you right where you are, because He, that's the biggest thing we learned, is He does not leave us alone. He has not abandoned us. He has not forsaken us. He is there with us, even in the darkest times of despair. So we we need to let that light in and hold on to it. So yeah, absolutely. Please reach out. We'd love to get coffee or lunch.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Claise. God bless you. Thank you for how you're allowing Christ to use you to encourage others through the same journey, the unexpected, the unexplained. Again, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus through it all. You don't know what else to hold on to. He's the one that we can lean on definitely and a solid foundation. I appreciate, again, you being so honest and open transparent to share with you today. I know you're a little nervous. You can't prove it to me because you guys (laughs) did incredible. I appreciate you being on today. Thanks for having us. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. It's a pleasure to have the Clays here, BJ and Whitney, sharing the loss of their precious little girl, Callie Marie Clay. We'd like to dedicate this show today to little Callie and the other Clay children, too. And I know they're precious to you, so we're going to dedicate the show to the Clay children today. And that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.